0: Good morning, uh, we love having guests with us, so if you're new today, thank you so much for being here. We love you know, referring to new people as guests rather than as visitors. I think it just adds a little bit of extra, the value that we feel about new people rather than just calling people visitors. It's kind of like being a guest in a hotel, right? Except our greeters are actually glad that you're here, and you don't have to worry about bedbugs, and we'll try to not put you to sleep as well, and we have complimentary mints, So enjoy your your stay at at Trinity Suites uh, today. Uh, A big thank you to everyone serving. Let's give a big hand to everyone back here, everyone that's been leading us in worship and all the greeters today for greeting. Thank you so much. Serving is one of the greatest ways to be like Jesus. The other way is to grow a really big beard. So uh, good luck with that. Um, (laughs) It's just Comedy Central this morning. That's what we're doing today, if you didn't know that uh, already. So we're doing Secrets and we do this annually. We're in our final week. Like Natalie said, if you haven't caught up with them yet, they're on our YouTube channel. And uh, we do this each year because we want to tell the stories of our church members, how they found faith in Jesus, how their faith has sustained them during the ups and the downs of their life. And uh, if anyone's worried today that we're going to expose their secrets, don't worry. We have absolutely no way to know anything about your private life, except for everything you've ever posted on social media. So there's that. There's that problem as well. So next week, it'll be, we'll be doing that. We'll be going through people's social media. Uh, that's a joke as well, if you didn't catch that one. Um, and uh, just to say, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, we're so glad you're here, and we think you're going to get a great insight into what it looks like to to believe in Jesus, to follow Jesus. But these, these testimonies are so powerful for all of us, so encouraging. You, they're so good, in fact, you might be tempted to think that uh, these are paid actors, but I can assure you, we would never do that, because in true Chicago fashion, we don't like to pay actors. So... I know uh, that was a bit brutal, that one. I, I apologize. PG-13 warning to parents and guardians today. I don't see any kids in the room with us, but if you're watching at home and you've got your kids uh, participating, there is a PG-13 warning on the content today. It is more mature. The terms and uh, concepts being re- referenced in the video and in the sermon are of a mature nature. And so just a fair warning on that, uh, come up with a safe alternative for your kid, You know, something like... Unrestricted access to YouTube might be, you know, what could go wrong? Uh, Something like that might be a good idea. Uh, Parent fail, hashtag parent fail. So uh, we're watching Joel's Secret today. Then I'm going to be preaching from Colossians chapter 3. So let's go ahead and roll the video.
1: My name is Joel Popescu, born 1988, lived in Chicago all my life. Uh, my parents, they uh, had been born in Romania, and I would say as much as I can remember back all the way to my great grandparents, it was like a Christian family. I think I'm like fourth generation that I can recall, you know, growing up in the faith. Early on, and for me, I can remember back as a kid, I was in elementary school, from like kindergarten all the way to eighth grade, I went to the same school, same people, everyone knew everything, the same. So I didn't have a great experience in my elementary school. I got picked on a lot, my mom, not being from this country, she thought, you know, I'm gonna dress up my kid. And like, it was a little embarrassing coming to school in like a nice sweater and like dress pants and whatever. And it didn't help for me not being the source of being picked on in the schooling because I was, had such a low self-esteem through school. So being that I had such a difficult time and being the source of being picked on, I just felt like, like I didn't know my self-worth and I didn't really know who I was and like what to latch onto for finding value. And I felt terrible inside most of the time. It didn't help even after like fifth grade with like the loss of my dad. We had a big family accident. It was like a tragic car accident. And with the loss of that, I didn't have like my dad in my life anymore. And so there was just like not really having like people in my life to really teach me what it means to be a man and all that. So that's early on in my school. I just remember having a very low self-esteem. It was pretty cool for me because when I was a kid, my dad, he got me this Sega channel thing. I had access to video games very early on in my life and I remember just being very competitive and I felt good that I was good at many of these games but I didn't realize that it was starting to turn into like this thing where I was letting that kind of build my self-worth and probably Because I played such games where it was just, it was so easy to get into it so heavily that I think I started to get addicted from a very early. So I probably like six, seven years old. I had my introduction to such a great amount of games and I spent a lot of time doing it. So I felt like it was really digging deep into me. But also at a very early age, and not too much longer after that, not only myself but my sisters as well were exposed to pornography at a very early age. So we had this black box at the time, cable TV box that was hacked and we had access to all these like pay-per-view channels and things of that nature. My parents put like a code on this whole thing, but somehow we were curious, you know, to see these movies, you know, late night and when no one is watching. And we hacked the code and we were able to get in and we started browsing around to the different things. And then we came onto this adult film, very explicit pornography scene. And it was very different to us, very new. And we we're like, what is this? I guess curiosity kept us coming back to the same thing, but not realizing that this was starting to trap us or trap me specifically as a guy. I would say I was about seven, maybe eight years old my first exposure to pornography. And it really started after a while to take a hold on my life where I kept returning back to it. And it's not like I was returning for pleasure at the beginning, but it was just more out of curiosity at the beginning. It wasn't until probably I was like after maybe my family's tragic car accident that I started finding an outlet for just comfort, I suppose, and just to feel better. And I would return to it, but then I would feel terrible after leaving from it. So it was this cycle of like, cause you feel terrible, I had self-esteem issues. So I go back to it because I wanna find comfort. And then once I find comfort, then I feel terrible because I realized that I did something I shouldn't be doing. And then you feel guilty and condemned. And then you're like, God, I'm never gonna do this again. And my addiction to video games at the time was starting to get to like an all-time high where I was playing ironically, a game called Diablo. And my addiction got so bad to video games that my friends would be at my front door asking, hey, do you wanna to go to the arcade? Or do you wanna to go to, you know, Woodfield Mall or whatever, something fun. And I was like, I'm in the middle of something. I'll see you guys later. And it would be like hours before I talked to them again. And I, I would miss out on opportunities to just relate with people on like a real level because I was so obsessed with what I was doing in the game and how it made me feel. I found that I was really good at this game and it made me feel good about myself. But then as soon as I would leave this game, first of all, I would lose so much sleep. I would eat terrible. I would obsess over it so much that I would take it into my school. Like while I'm in school, I'm thinking about how I'm going to build myself up in this virtual world. And I was like, if I put even nearly the same amount of effort or thought power into it I'm sure my life would look so much better but then I had this like realization that I feel great in this game and I'm doing so well in this game but I have nothing to show for it in real life and that's when it started to sink in that I feel terrible I was like if I keep doing this like where am I gonna end up in life after I had this realization I was like this video game thing needs to stop it's bad enough that like I'm literally playing a game called Diablo and it's like this ironic trap that I'm getting myself into this needs to stop like right now I realized that unless I was going to just stop the opportunity to come back to play this game, I literally had to break the disc of the game that I, that I was playing. It had to be so dramatic to myself to like, shock my subconscious that like, I would force myself to change. That was how I initially stopped myself from playing the video games themselves, but I literally got into prayer. So about 16 years old, when I made my decision to follow Christ and get baptized, right after that I was like, I feel terrible like what I'm doing here. And then I just kept going through the cycle over and over again. After that, I was like, okay, God, I know you have something more for me and I'm wasting a lot of time doing this. So show me what I need to do. I remember going to this convention called Acquire the Fire. It was this big thing for teenagers that was trying to call our generation to a a greater level of faith. And because I remember feeling so guilty about keep on returning to pornography and wasting so much time with these games. And like my mind was so consumed with all these things that God was like, God, I want to lay it before you. They're like, you know, bring it to the altar, lay it before him and let him transform your life. So I remember getting on my knees at that convention and like giving my life to Christ. After that, I knew I wanted to follow Christ, but I came from a Romanian Baptist community background. So there was a lot of emphasis on what to do and what not to do versus a transformed life in Christ by the grace of Jesus. And I I don't think I had a very good understanding of grace at the time. What I remember is that a lot of what I was doing was on my own power. I was trying to force myself to stop doing something. So I'm like, I know this is wrong, yet I did it. And then you feel terrible that you did it, but you keep on returning back I just felt terrible, but I didn't find a way out. I stopped going to uh, to that church along the way. We started going to an American church, a community Baptist church that spoke English because my mom remarried at the time after my father and sister passed away. It was pretty much the same old thing, but just in English. And they didn't really find a solution and a way out of addictions. They just said, this is just gonna be a struggle that we're gonna have to deal with, and we're still sinners, and that we're still always gonna keep on having to deal with this. And I'm like, okay. I remember I was about to get married, and I had met my wife, She's my wife now, but at the time like, I was pursuing her, and I proposed to her, but I was still dealing with this whole pornography issue, and I'm like 24 years old by this point, and this has like been going on for God knows how long. I had already been given my life to Christ, and yet I didn't find like I dealt with this thing. I remember thinking to myself, like, how is it okay that I gave my life to Christ? I'm supposed to be this quote-unquote new creation, right? And yet I still have this sin that like, keeps on having me enslaved. I don't wanna bring this into my marriage. This is a destructive thing that I know if I don't deal with this now, I know this is gonna wreak havoc into my future and into my marriage. And I said to God, I was like, I want you to help me deal with this. I've tried to stop on my own power, but I don't know how. I'm probably missing something. I just don't know what I'm missing. And I realized after a while, I think after I prayed the prayer, I was like, God, whatever you have to do, do it in my life to help me overcome this addiction, this thing that I keep turning back to. And I remember, I came across this video online by this pastor and he talked about God's grace in a way I've never heard about it before. And it's almost like something clicked to me that day when I heard that that Bible verse in Romans chapter 5 where it says, through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness we will reign in life through Christ Jesus. And I definitely wasn't reigning in life at that point. I'd, sin definitely had dominion over me. I didn't know how to get out of it except once I heard this verse and then I heard the verse that said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And I'm like, okay, have I been seeking his kingdom first and his righteousness? And what I had realized from what that pastor had said is that when Christ shed his blood for me, he actually finished the work there. So I realized he's like, through the abundance of grace, meaning my work on your behalf, I received the gift of righteousness. And that was the thing that clicked to me is I didn't realize that when God saw me now as a new creation, he saw the righteousness of Christ on me. And so that changed my whole perspective on how God viewed me. And I can finally approach the throne of grace with boldness. And literally, I can tell you the appetite of sin fell away so quickly after that truth sunk into me that I no longer struggled with sin after that point. When it came to pornography or video games or any addiction, and I actually found freedom. And I'm so grateful that I didn't have to take that into my marriage. What I had learned along the way is that guilt shame, and condemnation. These are the three things that made me weak from actually living the righteous life. And I kept finding myself in this vicious cycle over and over again with an inability to escape sin. When I realized that there's another aspect of God's grace I didn't understand at the time, that there's two sides to this coin, is yes, it's one thing, it's God's unmerited favor, willingness to work on my behalf. But grace is also the power, if you think of it like electricity, that powers me to live the righteous life that he calls me to. If I could say one thing to anyone who's listening is that there is a way out of addiction. There is a place of freedom. There is a place where you can actually live free to live for Christ. And that is what I found. I did find that and I did find victory. To leave you with one verse is that in Romans chapter 6, I remember it saying that sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but under grace.
0: Yeah, thank you, Joel. I think Joel's watching from home. So thank you, Joel, for sharing. He basically preached my sermon for me today, so I, I can just wrap this up now. Uh, no, not quite. Not quite. Um, yeah, we've talked a lot over the years at Trinity about sexual, about sexuality, and about sexual sin. And the reason we've talked a lot about it over the years is because the Bible talks a lot about it, and we preach from the Bible. I think the Bible talks about it a lot because we have. Um, this is a common struggle for us, and it, it's a it's a it's a it's a challenge for um sexual sexuality and sexual sin is, is a challenge for all cultures at all times it's it's a kind of a human problem that we deal with throughout all of our our lives and so the bible is so so kind to us that it addresses it over and over again it's not just a few passages it's 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 throughout scripture um so today we'll feel it'll feel like that that first day in school where you did sex ed or your parents had the conversation with you um about the birds and the bees it's, it's going to feel awkward you're going to Maybe be a little traumatized by it today, so there's no way around it. So again, PG-13 warning, just for the adult content today that we'll be going through. Let me. Uh, we're going to be reading from Colossians three, five through fifteen, um, and b- before I before I get there, I want to uh, I want to I want to say that I'm losing my place here, I'm jumping ahead. So uh, we have um, covenant eyes reported that I think it's 64% of Christian men and 15% of Christian women said that they view pornography at least once a month. Now, that's a self-reported number, so that probably means it's more than that. Because anytime that you're asked about something shameful, you're going to downplay it. It's like when I'm saying to my wife, hey, honey, I, I don't know who ate the rest of the snacks. You're downplaying it, right? So... Uh, this is a shameful thing, this is a hard thing, but it's a, it's a very common thing and it's something that we have to uh, talk about and address today. Let's pray and then let's read the scripture. Jesus, help us today to tackle this subject matter, set us free from any evil, any, anything that we're enslaved to. Anyone here in person or online that is enslaved to pornography uh, or something similar, something some other vice, I pray that today we would find freedom. And that we'd find it in you. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And uh, just to say that you know, it's a difficult subject to talk about, but think, think about the freedom that you or your future self, because it might be you're not enslaved now, but you might fall into a trap of something that might have power over you. Think about the freedom that you or somebody you, you love and know can find uh, as we go through the scripture and as we look at this subject today. Colossians 3 verse 5. seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is, no, there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another... And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ, rule your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. This is God's word. I feel like I just preached on this subject. Actually, just because I did in October, I just preached on the same subject. So we'll be back on it again. Here we go again. So now, this passage we just read started off talking about God's wrath coming about sin. Now, at Trinity, we are never going to apologise for a holy, righteous God who's upset and angry about evil. All right, it's it's total hypocrisy that we get upset that we don't like the fact that God's mad about bad stuff because we're mad about all kinds of bad stuff. We don't like sex trafficking. We don't like uh, domestic abuse. We don't like racism. We don't like police police brutality. We don't like many people don't like abortion. Uh, we don't like rioting. We don't, there's so many things that we're like, we, we, we're angry about these things. But yet, God, who's even holier than us, he's not allowed to be angry about stuff. Well, you know, he's, he's kind of mad about it. But what the Bible teaches us about God's wrath is that his, his anger, he's slow to anger. He's measured. He's just in his anger. But also, he's abounding in grace. And his goal is Redemption. That's what it teaches us about, about God's anger. Now, these, these verses in, in Colossians tell us to, uh, to take responsibility for murdering sin in our lives. Take responsibility for murdering the sin in our lives. It's giving us permission to wage war on sin. It's a brutal thing. If you think about the whole history of your life, the one person, this is, this is an unsanctified thought, but think of, bear with me for a second. Think about the one person you think, you know what? It would be nice for the world if that person didn't exist you know maybe you've had somebody like that before maybe you don't know maybe you didn't know them. maybe it was somebody in the public eye or leader of another country or leader of your own country it could be anybody you think i really would be better if this person didn't exist so just take that let that thought frame the idea that the bible is telling me to put to death to get murderous intent behind my sin that's how serious it wants me to take it to not be light-hearted about it but if, I've got, if I'm gripped with something like pornography, today, God has brought us all together, whether it's that, or you're addicted to social media, or buying stuff on Amazon, whatever it is, we've all got our different vices. Whatever it is, today is the day that we say, I've got to take bigger action. I've got to do something bold. I've got to get freedom. God wants me to be free from this. So, in verse 5. We're given a couple of things that we're supposed to be murderous about in our last couple of lists. The first five, it starts off, it talks about sexual immorality, talks about impurity, uh, passion, and that's obviously passion can, in our context, can be in our culture, can be positive or negative. It's obviously referring to it negatively, negative passion. Uh, evil desire, covetousness, and then in verse 8, it says, you know, to put away uh, anger, and, and that's obviously unrighteous anger because you can't have righteous anger, uh, but, but wrath, which again, unrighteous wrath. Uh, uh, malice which is uh, intentionally seeking to do evil to, against people, uh, slander, uh, obscene talk from your lips. Uh th- these are the two two lists it says, you know, it's it's not completely comprehensive. There's other things you could add to it, but it's pretty good li- those two lists, pretty good lists of of really terrible things that we really should get serious about getting rid of in our lives. And this is written to Christians, by the way. So if anyone thinks that Christians are holier than thou and pretending to be perfect people, the Bible's like, "Nope." Uh Christians have to work on this pretty, pretty dang hard too uh, to put to death uh, these things in, in our lives. And I think that the, these two lists, these things, actually, they all manifest themselves in the pornography industry and in, in pornography uh, use and consumption. The, all these different traits kind of show up at different uh, times. Now, it starts off in, in, in the list talking about sexual immorality. And we've talked about this a thousand times, but here we go again. What is sexual immorality? It's, very, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's immoral sex. So the Bible is very consistent and very clear about how it defines sex and sexuality. There's no, people try to make it ambiguous or try to change what it says. You really can't honestly do that. It's, it's so clear throughout all of scripture, Old Testament all the way through the New Testament, it gives one harmonious view of sexuality and sex and moral sex. And uh, the definition, even Jesus in Matthew 19 gives a definition talking about moral sex, that this is supposed to be in the confines of a covenant marriage between husband and wife. Anything outside of that falls into the category of immoral sex according to God. Now, we have our own standards. Our cultural standards shift, don't they? From time to time, different cultures have different standards at different times. If you're you're a student of history, you you know that. Uh, But even our culture, it kind of shifts at times. But I think most of us would say, like, you know, adultery is wrong. Um, Rape is certainly, we're all against that, or at least I hope we are. gross things like bestiality, things like we're like, hopefully we're against those things, but I've got to tell you nowadays, I'm not sure what our cult is actually for or against. It seems like the rules are being rewritten all the time. Um, but it turns out that God has uh, a higher list than us, a higher standard than us. It turns out fornication, which is sex before marriage, that's on the list as well. It turns out masturbation. That's on, that, all these things fall outside of the confines of that covenant relationship in marriage. And the Bible makes no bones about it. It says it over and over. I mean, you just have to read it for like a f- five minutes and you, you, you'll stumble across something that relates to this area. All right. So this isn't just like a pet t- topic. It's not like I wake up every week and I can't wait for the next time I get to preach on sexual morality. It's like it just, it just, God's always knocking on the door saying, I've got, I've got to talk to you about this because it's, it's a, such a pervasive uh, problem for us. Now, uh, as it relates to pornography and pornography use, we, we do see this. we see obscene talk, we see some some horrific vulgar sp- things said uh, in the in the you know, in, in pornographic use and uh, you see you see anger, you see aggression, physical violence against people you see uh, malice so they, they, they were in this industry there's intentional harm planned against people and the problem, obviously, in this industry is that you're trying to get the most shocking, you're trying to get the greatest attention, you're trying to, you know, what people have been consuming isn't satisfying anymore, so you're trying to push the boundaries of of what's what's acceptable and what can get the most most views, I guess, in that sense. And even covetousness, you know, the idea of covetousness, it mentioned it here in the scripture, but you think about that as it relates to pornography, it's just this this craving over something that I don't have, I've not been given, I don't I've not been permitted to have, I'm I'm craving after it, I'm I'm consumed by it. Now the good news is, there's really good news, is that learning to control, because everyone has sexual appetites, everyone's vulnerable to sexual temptation, learning to control sexual appetite is a mindset that anyone can learn. Joel learned it, other people have learned it. Anyone can learn this. And as Christians, we have the greatest reason and the greatest resource to learn it. If you're willing, if you're open, you could learn it. You could start learning it today. Sometimes the journey takes a little while until, the penny, until you get the true breakthrough and you get the, the, penny, the penny drops and you, you realize you can go on that journey, but, but you could actually solve that journey today and find that freedom today. Joel was on a bit of a journey. I've had my battles with this in the past, been on that journey and found that freedom. I know talked to many people, found that freedom from this. This is such a pervasive sin, and we want to find freedom. If, we're, if we can be open-minded, I really want you to be open-minded. I really want you to pay attention to your thoughts as we go through this. Pay attention to your thoughts, because your thoughts might resist some of the things I say, but I want you to be highly suspicious of any resistant thought that you might have. It's probably misleading you, because the truth is going to set us free today. There's great joy in freedom keep that in mind. There is elation and joy in being set free from things that enslave us and their power over us. There's such joy and freedom in it. I think about, because you already know that there's absolute misery in slavery. You, you already know it. There's absolute, it's toxic, I'm miserable, it's in, I'm enslaved to something, it's destroying me. And if you can believe, it's actually there's joy in this freedom. So we have to understand the What is the trap like? What is is the trap of of, of pornography? We have to understand how it works. The the scripture says, put to death what is earthly in you. We have to look at the earthly nature of pornographic use, and Joel mentioned it, that it's an addiction. Pornographic use is an addiction, and we have to think of it as an addiction. Now, sometimes sometimes we, we struggle if someone is trapped in this sin, and it's a very pervasive sin, so, you know, what is it, 64% of, of Christian men, 15% of Christian women, so for those today, here today, those watching online, it's, it's a lot of us, you know, it's a lot of us, we've got to be, and, and we, part of viewing it as an addiction is that we have to be compassionate towards it, so, so some of the reason that we, we struggle to, to frame it as addiction, or to understand that it is addiction, is because we think, well, pff, heroin users are, are addicts. And if, if we're struggling with porn, it's like, well, that's not me. I'm not a heroin user. I'm not sticking needles in my arm. And we, we, we have to see it exactly the same way. Because you'd actually, you probably have compassion over somebody who was a heroin user. You'd probably have a lot of compassion. I hope. I hope we would have com- a lot of compassion for somebody who can't stop themselves from injecting themselves with a drug. I hope that we would actually have a similar level of compassion for someone trapped in, in pornographic use. Because it is, it's, it's an addiction. And it's, a, but the, the, the trouble is, it's a, it's a drug that you have access to all the time. That's the thing that makes it so nasty. That you It's not like a, a, you can delete your drug dealer's number on your phone and be, and be just free of that. It's like you've got a constant supply of, of drug. We'll, we'll never get free of this particular addiction or any addiction if we don't understand the nature of it and understand how it works. And so to see it as an addiction means that we have to treat it as an addiction and we have to understand that you have to actually start to do some investigation and, and work towards how do people free themselves from addictions? Any, any addiction. Because the solution to being free from an addiction, it doesn't matter what it is, what the vice is that you're trapped in, the process is the same process. Because, because the, the free, freedom from addiction is, is, is the same solution no matter what the particular thing is. And people struggle with different things. You know, like I said, it could be swiping on Amazon to buy stuff. Could be your addiction, right? Could be sugar. Maybe that's your addiction. We're, that's probably all, we're Americans, so we, we can't help but be addicted to sugar. We have to we have to so what happens when you get trapped in the what happens when you get you get enslaved in the pornography trap or the addiction trap? Well you basically we're getting exposed to a super stimuli. This is what happens. So God's made us to experience pleasure, but there are these super stimuli in our environment that spike our pleasure centers in our brain, give us give us a hit, give us a buzz, you get a release of dopamine. That's the that's the, the technical term for it. You get a hit of dopamine. It's a superstimuli, and what happens is you spike up, but it's it's you could you can never get to a point in your body where you could actually um, handle that. It's it's always too much. A superstimuli is always too much to be exposed to. So you spike, you get you get really high, and then what happens after that is you crash. You crash, and you and you feel worse. I mean, Joel talked about this on the video, right? Just the awful, terrible, gross feelings of like after consuming pornography, and it's true with, with all kind of addictions. If it's gambling, whatever, whatever it may be, there's that crash. What that crash creates in us is that empty feeling, that insecure feeling, that feeling of, of deprivation, of I'm missing out on something, or I'm, I'm hollow, I'm, I'm worthless, or I, I need something else. And this is one, one way to think about it is actually thinking about the sugar thing. So there's lots of different super stimuli, right? It could, it could be nicotine, it could be alcohol, um, it could it could be you know processed sugar. That's one thing. You know, it, it can be pornography, can be can be a drug, any kind of substance like like heroin, something like that. But you think about about people have taken naturally occurring substance like sugar, and then we we engineer it, right? We we, we modify it, and we turn we've created this stuff called high fructose corn syrup but then we stick in everything. This isn't a message about health-related dietary things. I'm using it as an illustration for uh, pornography. But that's actually how we should think about pornography. It's modified sex. It's sex that has been taken and tainted and engineered to be so excessively stimulating that we actually cannot handle it. We cannot, you never be convinced that you could ever get to a point where you could actually handle being exposed to something like pornography. And it's, it's getting, we're, we're learning more and more ways to hack ourselves to like increase that sense of stimulation more and more. It's like high, high fructose corn syrup, it's, it's in everything. And if you have it frequently, it's really bad for your health. It's not a health, I'm not talking about, you understand the, the point I'm trying to make about, about pornographic use. So this is the, and then the nature of addiction is that we try to cope with that low. We, we, we're in this low state, we're, we're feeling empty, we're feeling insecure, we're feeling terrible about ourselves. We're feeling awful about ourselves. And so we try and cope with that, that terrible feeling by turning back to the original thing that helped us feel incredible for a momentary period of time. And that's, the, that's where the cycle begins. And this is the true way to understand addiction is addiction is not seeking pleasure. Addiction is escaping the low that the super gave me in the first place. That is the true way to view it. Sometimes we get we get tripped up on ourselves and we think, well, I'm, I'm so consumed with these feelings of lust or these, these sexual feelings I have and I just, I just got to get these thoughts and these feelings out of my mind so I'm just I'm going to use pornography to relieve the stress or just to make myself feel better, just to escape from it. And It's never true, is it? It makes us more stressed. It makes us groggy. It makes us foggy. It, it lies to us. It deceives us. Imagine that you wake up tomorrow and you have a little sore on your face very visible. You can't hide it with your hair. You can't hide it. It's very, you've got a sore right there on your face. So you get this cream and you rub the cream in and it goes away. You're like, this is awesome. Next day, the sore comes back bigger. Like, oh dear, so I better use more of that cream. Well, this keeps happening every day. It gets bigger and bigger and you have to use more and more cream, more and more cream every day. And you get getting tubes and tubes of cream and until you get to the point where your whole face is a sore. Your whole face is covered in a sore can't go out anywhere, you're embarrassed, like, this is terrible, what am I going to do? And it, the, the cream takes it away temporarily, but it comes back, and each time it comes back, it comes back faster and bigger. So you're desperate, you go to the doctor, and the doctor's like, whoa, yeah, I mean, this, this cream can take it away temporarily, but it has a terrible side effect where it makes it worse. So you say, doctor, what's the solution? Said, there's only one solution. You have to stop using this cream. You're going to to have to heal naturally, and it's going to take a bit of time, and it's going to be difficult to look in the mirror and see that, but you're going to see change over time. Or at least it's going to feel difficult, but actually it's not going to be as difficult as you might imagine. How do we find freedom? Well, the answer is in the Scripture here. The answer is to understand the truth, to accept the truth, and to reject the lie, to reject the lie. And so actually before this passage we read in verse 3, It tells us here, it says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. This is just before the passage we read about putting to death earthly things in us and then living into and putting on the good godly things that we're supposed to live into. It says, you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. This is the greatest truth. It's a truth of identity. I'm going to talk about more, get back to this at the end of the message, but it's understanding who you are you have to understand that addiction, breaking free from these, these vices that we have, we sometimes think it's, I need different techniques, or I've got to change things in my life, I've got to change my structure or my circumstances, or I've got to try these different things. And I've got to tell you, it's really not that. Maybe in a very small way, but it's really not that. The change is an internal change. It's always an internal change where, where there's a perspective change. It's, it's Joel's story that he was said, "I've been a Christian. I give my how is it okay? I gave my life to Christ, but I'm still enslaved by this thing." And then I, I heard a message about who I, my, about my identity and about God's work of grace in Christ and who I am in Christ, and it, it suddenly clicked, and it was suddenly was the thing that was missing, and that's the journey I'm talking about. That's the journey you have got to go on. That's why you have to put ninety nine. If you're enslaved in something like this, you have to put ninety nine percent. Of your energy into that because that is the true solution because you can never control your environment enough where you're not exposed to some type of temptation and so you have to grow the internal fortitude and the internal perspective which is the truth of Scripture once you get there once it clicks it's like you're like how did I not see this before how did I miss this how did I not see it before see we we think that addiction is physiological because we, we live in a very materialistic world. We're kind of spiritual in some ways, and maybe spirituality is, you, know, you, never, you never get fully get rid of spirituality. Maybe it's growing in certain other ways, but it's more kind of, our spirituality is more psychological in, in our uh, cultural context. So we're, we're, so we're very even that's a very materialistic way of viewing things. The physiological aspects of addiction are so minor, I would say the withdrawals that somebody might feel after being enslaved to pornography would be, Could be comparable to like giving up coffee. If you've ever given up, if you've been, if you had a a caffeine addiction before, and you've given up, I've done this before. I've given up coffee, and you have a few days of like terrible headaches, and you can't focus, and maybe it's a week or so, and you're like, I feel terrible. Why am I doing this? I just, just give me that coffee. That's all I want. That's going to make everything go away. I I would, I would. Actually, it's the same for heroin. I actually helped a guy once go uh, go cold turkey on quitting heroin. Stayed up all night with him. A friend and I, we stayed up all night with him, helping him break his addiction, and. the true power of addiction is not the the, 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 the grip of the pleasure that we're seeking. Because you understand it's not really the pleasure that we're seeking. It's the escape from the empty that's, that's been created in us from that superstimuli. It's not the physiological side of it. It's what we believe that the thing itself gives us that has the power. That's what has the power. That's the breakthrough you've got to understand. This has power over me, not because it's so... The, the pleasure is so addicting I can't say no to it, because if you had a gun to your head, you'd say no to it. It's, I've given it power because of the, all the stupid, false things I believe about it that aren't true. I believe that it's a sacrifice to give up. I believe that it's going to be a hard, long journey. I'm going to have to struggle, years and years of terrible struggle And if if after years of battling this terrible addiction, this thing, after years and years of trying, of sacrifice and missing out and all this, then maybe one day I'll be slightly free or 90% free. You know, nowhere in scripture does it say that it's a sacrifice to give up these sins. Nowhere. Can't find one reference. It doesn't say, and you know what, the even more shocking thing, it actually doesn't say it's hard. Find me a Bible verse that says it's hard to give it up. Now you might notice the resistance. You might say, well, "Wait, how could, how dare you say that?" There are people that struggle with this for years, or I've struggled with this. It's really hard. I've got to tell you, that's an illusion. The power that it has is a complete illusion. It has no power because of who we are in Christ. I'm going to get back to that in a minute because of the, the power of Christ in our lives. I want, to be, I want to be blunt about this. We seek pornography. If we're, That's our vice. We seek it. We're watching these images and looking at these things, whether they're still images or it's videos, whatever it is, whatever it is we're looking at. We're looking at these things because ultimately we want, it's going to lead us to a, some kind of climax because we want to masturbate. We want to experience some kind of sexual pleasure in that way. No one's knitting or doing their taxes while they're using. It's not, that's not happening anywhere. That's never happened once in the history of this, ever. We have believed such a lie in our culture. We've, we've been brainwashed. We have been brainwashed. We, we believe that sexual gratification is important, that it matters, that I deserve it, That's it's going to relieve my stress. When I grew up, I, I recently uh, saw some Friends uh, stuff, uh, the TV show Friends, I grew up watching Friends, and I'd forgotten of just how, like, wow, that that show, like, the the messaging that I got from that show growing up about sex and sexuality was so messed up, so wrong. No wonder, I I mean, it's not just that show, but it's it's all of our media lying to us, telling us that this is going to mean something, that your life you deserve this that this is a goal you should have or well, there's something wrong with you you don't have these kind of experiences or that you, what a lie what a lie there's so many so many more better things to live for living for god serving others meaningful kingdom work being generous making a difference in the world those things matter seeking justice that matters living for to enjoy and share the grace of jesus that matters having a climax let me ask a very obvious question. Is there, are there more important things than having a climax? There's like a million more important things than having a cl- What about people that live their whole life, either physically or emotionally or just never get married? Like, what's, are they less valuable that's missing something? I've got to tell you, be, be way better to live a celibate life than to be ensnared in pornography. It's not even close. It is not even close. So so we've got to put to death these destructive things, and these destructive things, we put them to death by understanding the true nature of them, understanding the lies we the only power it has over us is the things we actually believe about it. But then we've got so much more to live for, the good things to live for. In verse 12, it tells us put on them, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. This is what we should live for. This is God's kingdom, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. These are things, these are the the good qualities of God's kingdom that we're to activate in in our lives and live into. It's it's kind of a, it's hard for us sometimes because the Bible tells us you are this way. It says you're holy and beloved. It's talking to Christians. If you're truly a believer in Jesus, something dramatic has changed in you. And this is what Joel was talking about on his video, that yes, you've been objectively set free from God's judgment against your sin. There might be consequences in this life to certain sins, but in the next life, Jesus has taken your punishment completely. And that's powerful enough just to understand that, just to allow that truth to sink in. I'm free. It means God loves me unconditionally. It's very exciting once, you, once the penny drops on that one. But the other one that you have to understand too is that that, that same power is now at working in me, helping me to live righteously for, for Christ, empowering me to say no to the, to the temptations of sin. We still live in a world that is susceptible. We're still, that's what we're told by Jesus. Pray to not be led into temptation. So we understand there's temptation around us and we're living in a world we still have our flesh and there's temptation around us. We're still vulnerable. We can still fall into sin. Even the apostle Peter fell into sin and the apostle Paul had to call him out in front of everyone and rebuke him because he had fallen into some sin. There's still, you know, even the, even the best of us can fall into sin. But the truth is the power of sin has been broken. It's been broken. It is, it's finished. If the penny can drop, the permanent work of Jesus, it's, 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 it's this free gift, this free gift of grace. It's the greatest message you could ever hear. It's the greatest gift that's ever been given to the human race is the gift of Jesus. His death and resurrection on the cross, his sacrifice for us on our behalf to set us free, not just from God's judgment, but set us free from the power of sin to live for God's goodness and God's grace. Today you've got to make a decision. You, you, if, you, if, you, if you realize I'm enslaved in something, I'm giving myself to some kind of vice that's, that's got me in, in this grip. Maybe it's pornography, maybe it's something else. You've got two options in terms of what the issue is. First option is maybe you're not a Christian. You thought you were, but maybe you, you actually haven't come into faith. Because what happens when you become a Christian is the fundamental desires of your heart are rewritten. You were in the kingdom of darkness, a slave to to, to, to destructive forces and destructive ways. But now, once you've become a Christian, the fundamental disposition of your heart has been rewired, and you actually want to do good. You want to live righteously for God. So so it's a good sign. If you you want to stop, that's a really good sign that you're a Christian, right? That's because you've got to believe in Jesus. You believe in the resurrection, all those things. Repent of your sin, all those things as well. Believe in the Scripture. But it's a really good sign. If you, if, you, if you really want to deal with it, that's a good sign. That something fundamentally has changed in your heart. God's rewired you. So, but, but consider that. So, in a sober way, consider, am I truly saved? The other option you have is you have to realize, well, okay, I, I could be saved like Joel. I could have been, you know, saved, but, but I've, I'm, I've I'm got to go on this journey in a much more serious way to get true freedom because I haven't understood the full work of Jesus for me and his power to set me free. I have something, the penny hasn't dropped. And I've got, to do, I've got to put 99% of my energy, all of my energy, in fact, 100% of my energy, into figuring that out because that's how I'm going to find freedom today. Let's have the band come up. We want to respond in worship. We want to sing to Jesus and call out to Jesus and cry out to Jesus for him to set us free, to save us today if we need to be saved, to set us free from the power of sin, if we need to be set free from the power of sin. I want to encourage us to respond today, whatever the response is, whether you need prayer, whether you want to sign up, for, to volunteer for the, for the adventure week or sign your kids up for the adventure week or uh, you want to follow Jesus for the first time, you want to be baptized, whatever it is, your step is, reach out to us. You can do that by texting the word ENJOY to 94000. That's the way that you can respond today. If you found something helpful, we're going to be jumping back into our Exodus series next week. Bring someone back with you. If you, if you like, this is help. the this, 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 things that we've been covering in secrets, things we're going to be covering in Exodus. You've got to know somebody else. You'd say, this person needs this in their life. Bring him with you. Bring him with you next time. I want to say thank you guys for being with us today. It's a pleasure. It's an honor to serve you today and to speak to you today. I love you guys. Praying for you. So grateful for you.